Um, wait. Okay, I have a, a holiday specific one. How do you keep a turkey in suspense? Oh, how? I'll let you know after the episode. <laughs> I'm the turkey, aren't I? It's you. <sighs> Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. Though we try to make Cancer for Breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. (laughs) Hi, Steph. Hi, Amy. Hi, listeners. Hi. Is everybody feeling bitchy? <laughs> I'm feeling pretty bitchy. It's our Cancer for Bitch Fest episode, volume two. Yes. We're old enough of a podcast to have two volumes of something. This is our first volume two, I think. It is. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, can I tell you something funny that I keep forgetting to tell you? Yes. <laughs> I haven't mentioned that my husband, Kevin, has started a podcast with his friend, Nathan, have I? What? Is it Nathan, my husband? <laughs> oh my God, no, wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> that would I don't be really know, funny. I haven't met him. I just know he lives in Washington. Um, <laughs> that would be absolutely perfect. Considering what the subject is. So, you know, our podcast is about cancer. Yeah, right. I do. Okay. Guess what their podcast is about? Cancer. The cure. Oh. <gasps> Not the cure for cancer, but the cure, the band. And I like, when I realized how freaking funny that was, I laughed so hard. And I was like, I have to tell Steph. And I was like, I need to tell her when we're recording because I don't want to lose that moment of her laughing. That is perfect. It's perfect. I I love the cure also. So I want to listen to their podcast. Yeah, it's very cute. Like, it's so cute that he thinks he can have a podcast. (laughs) But I have all this really nice gear and he won't use it. He like uses his regular weird gear. I'm like, why don't you go use my gear? Rude. Yeah. He's going to make it on his own, Amy. (laughs) He doesn't need me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, maybe he and your Nathan should start a podcast that's just about the cure for cancer. Like, have they found it yet? Yeah, I like that idea. What's going on? (laughs) (sighs) It can be a podcast about when your wives have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Okay, what's what's Kevin's podcast called? Um, I actually don't know. And I did that thing where you offer unsolicited bitchy advice because it was something really basic. It's good because it has something to do with the cure or some play on some word. But then if you're just a regular person searching for it, the words are just kind of too regular. Like, I don't think it'll come up in the search. Uh He needs an SEO class. Come on. Yeah. Speaking of, so do we. Not to uh, here. I this is my first bitch for cancer for a bitch fest. Hit me. Okay, our podcast is in its second season. We have thirty some odd freaking episodes out now. We've been going for 
10 months now, nine months. I don't know. Yeah. We have over a hundred five star reviews. We have a million and by a million, I mean, I don't know, 40 actual reviews, written reviews. Yeah. Our stupid ass podcast, like is so far down in the search on like Apple Podcasts. I know, it really the is. The things that come up in the top like 20 when you search for just cancer are like things that have not been a podcast for two years that only had like 12 episodes and have 12 reviews or things that are brand fucking new and maybe have 10 episodes and like six stars or something. But like, I'm not trying to be a bitch. I'm just trying to bitch. Like... <laughs> What are we doing wrong? I don't know. That's a really good question. Maybe some listener knows how we can improve our standings in the search. Because, you know, I actually, this is a little known fact about me. I went to college uh, for librarianship. Whoa. Partially. And part of our instruction was I only wanted to be a partial librarian. (laughs) Well, I actually, I wanted to be a, a private, it was a whole thing. This is too boring to even talk about. She, but she, Do you hear what she just did? She was about to say, I wanted to be a private investigator. And then she stopped and said, I wanted to be a private, oh, that's too boring. Yeah, there's nothing more boring than private investigators. That, that's the most boring career I could think of. Okay, go on. Anyway, I took classes all about this, like how to do effective searches, um, mm-hmm. statistically improbable phrases, things like that. Yeah. I actually love that shit. So I am also bewildered about our our search standings. It's like someone from what's the other disease that hates cancer? They, they're like cancer's getting too much attention. You know, it's ALS. It's ALS again. They're <laughs> after us. They work for Apple. It's true. I think so. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but anyway, who cares? The fact that we have as many listeners as we do when you have to find us by basically searching the actual words cancer for breakfast for us to even pop up means. Yeah. Go team. Go team. Word of mouth. Thanks, everyone, for sharing. Because Apple ain't going to do it for us. Yeah. Damn it. All right. (laughs) It was an excellent kickoff. (gasps) The Cure. Their podcast is called The The. The The, the Today. The (laughs) Podcast. The Podcast The. And they'll still come up in the search results before us. They will. (laughs) They look for cancer. (laughs) Well, it says it's about the cure. Oh, God. Shall we jump in with a long ass bitch? I mean, fuck it. You guys, we have so many submissions. We have some that are long, some that are really short. You guys came through. Apparently, there's a lot to bitch about. It's true. But yeah, we did decide we're going to get into some meat right away. And then we'll have the hors (laughs) d'oeuvres. This first one, I feel like, covers so much ground Mm -hmm. and it's so relatable Mm-hmm. But I think it was a good choice for us to start with. Okay. Will you read it? I will. Thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm all like hopped up. I'm taking a drink. Of what, Stephanie? Of water. Oh, I just wanted to make that clear <laughs> to our listeners. <laughs> We're not going to get drunk this episode. We are not. Since being diagnosed for stage two breast cancer just over two years ago now, I'm finally coming to realize and process how my friendships have shaped the ups and downs of my cancer shit show saga. 
I still mm-hmm. can't say journey, y'all. Good. Of course, there are so many things and people I'm grateful for, but today I'm also grateful for an opportunity to vent about what not to do or say to a friend battling breast cancer. Rule number one, don't make it about you, non-cancer person out there, especially through odd attention-seeking performative behaviors or careless, dismissive, or callous words. Seems obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Two of my closest friendships before cancer one now in the past and one on the rocks, have been especially challenging. My first friend, Tiffany, and I had been friends for five or six years before cancer. I was a bridesmaid in her wedding about two and a half years ago, right before my diagnosis. She was there when my son was born a couple years before that. But the behaviors that transpired during my chemo slash cancer process were too intrusive and severe for me to continue the friendship. At one point, she framed a picture of me getting ready before her wedding, playfully holding my boobs in my bridesmaid dress. I don't know what inspired her to print out my trauma, frame it, and then seek applause when presenting it to me at a gathering of our friends. Oh, no, no. (laughs) That is so deeply cringy. Like, oh, my God. So weird. Or there was the time she dropped me off at my house one day and my elderly neighbor was outside. I told Tiffany the neighborhood stared me up and down on the sidewalk after my double mastectomy and observed, so I take it you lost your breast then. (sighs) Tiffany cut me off immediately, telling me he was just from a different generation and there was nothing wrong with his comment. It takes a lot of nerve to tell someone how to feel or not feel about having a double mastectomy and then being objectified by a man. Mm-hmm. She really seemed put out in having to deal with a friend with cancer. Not like she didn't know what to say or how to be supportive. Plus, there was endless and unwelcome judgment about other things like potty training my toddler during the middle of cancer and the pandemic. Nobody needs that judgment. That was my personal commentary. <laughs> totally. My other friend Lucy and I have been friends for about a decade. She did a lot for me during my cancer treatment, and I thanked her profusely and have tried to be a good supportive friend to her over the years. She accompanied me to my first chemo treatment pre-COVID days, took copious notes during my first oncology appointments, and helped me move right before chemo started into a new place with my toddler when I became a single parent. But she also shaved her head when I started chemo and made a big deal about it, something I didn't ask or want her to do. Mm -hmm. It felt attention-seeking and performative, although I didn't have the words to figure out how to articulate myself about how I thought about it then. I didn't want her to shave her head in quote-unquote solidarity. I was in denial that I'd even lose my hair, and nothing about my personality indicates I'd want to have a head-shaving party with her. So after my hair fell out at dinner one night, I shaved it off. She questioned why I didn't wait for her. I wanted to do it, too. She created a Facebook post promoting her head shaving two years ago, reshared it last year, and again this year. Stop it. I I cannot believe this. And this time she tagged me, reminding people she shaved her head for me, saying, I kicked cancer's butt and yay, we both have hair again. I, um... My mind is boggled. Do you need to pause? I do. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't believe this. Um, this is the point where in a conversation with somebody in person, you would like grab their shoulders and be like, no, 
No. <laughs> it was so dense and tone deaf, also hurtful. I don't want to hear every November until the end of all time how, quote unquote, I shaved my head for you. Mm -hmm. Translation, remember what I did for you? Remember your trauma? Remember how I made it about me? So I replied to the post stating that cancer kicked my butt, that I use Rogaine and take supplements because I have half the hair I used to, neuropathy and chronic pain, continued nausea from tamoxifen, etc. She called and texted in the days following, pushing me to tell her what to do about the post. I replied, letting her know I needed some headspace and wouldn't be able to make a previously scheduled engagement. She pressured me to find another time and reminded me that she, quote, had been there through thick and thin with me over the last few years and that she had apologized for the post. So I should be over it. I hoped she'd at least take time to reflect as to why I was offended at the head shaving in the first place and why it wasn't appropriate to continuously promote her head shaving. Mm -hmm. Don't siphon my trauma to fill up your do-gooder karma tank, please. Ooh, we need that on a t-shirt. Did you hear that? <laughs> right? <laughs> a coffee mug. Seriously. It's like a... Say, say that again. Don't siphon my trauma to fill up your do-gooder karma tank. Boom. That needs to be on a coat of arms. That's like our family <laughs> crest. <laughs> oh. Now I feel like I have an emotional debt to pay and she wants me to pay it back. Not surprisingly, I'm taking some time to process all of it. Thanks for letting me get this off my chest. A little double mastectomy humor for you there. Whoa. That's one. That's one real kickoff here. Yeah. <sighs> It's outrageous. It's outrageous. Yeah. There is a time and a place to shave your head with somebody. And that time and place is always if they would like you to. It's so clear. If they have explicitly asked you to, there's no like surprising somebody with that. Well, there is in those adorable videos where somebody just takes the razor and then shaves it. And then the person cries. I think that's kind of sweet. That Those always get me. Okay. I don't know, Amy. I don't know. Well, listen, I assume that the people in those videos know their audience. They, I mean, the audience being the person whose head they're shaving <laughs> for, not the people on YouTube. <laughs> but, you know, like there's a time and a place. There's a relationship. There's a way of saying I'm in this with you and I'm doing this with you that I don't think is super gaggable. I think it's like it can be sweet. Sure. When it is not your vibe when it is not asked for when you have clearly been offered it and then you don't take her up on it by doing it by your fucking self shaving your head after dinner one night by yourself that's clearly you being like thanks but kind of my own thing right now you know yeah I mean it's like one thing for her to have done it but then to just keep wanting to receive that like pat on the back or something it's gross that's just an additional level of grossness that i cannot believe somebody would be so myopic as to continually share a post about your friend's trauma yeah like it's it's wild just i don't think most people understand how deeply traumatic it can be to lose your hair and go through cancer and stuff but you know, like this person said, it's not just about the hair. It's not just like, woo, it's done. And now we both have mm -hmm. hair again. It's that there are all these other ongoing 
symptoms. Yeah. And you don't experience those along with your friend who has cancer. You just get to be hairless for a little while. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, one thing anyone who is listening to this podcast who hasn't gone through cancer, one thing you've probably learned from it is that recovering the survivorship mode, if you will, if you're done with treatment and you're quote unquote NED or cancer free or whatever, then it is such a crazy ride. And from the outside, people don't realize that. And this is such a prime example of that to not know where this person might be in that weird ride where clearly she didn't. Um, I just lost my fucking train of thought. <laughs> oh, no. Do you want to bitch about chemo brain? <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, but yeah, but to have things pop up in your feed, like you don't know where she is with wanting to try not to think about it, try to do this or thinking about it constantly and not wanting other people to be thinking about. I don't know. It's just it's such a personal thing and not cool. Yeah. I mean, would you repost the picture of when your friend's cat died or like some other horrible situation from years past? Of course you wouldn't. Right. And so obviously this person is just a grief tourist and is attention seeking. And I totally don't blame our listener for stepping back from that relationship because it doesn't sound equal. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound fulfilling. It doesn't sound yeah. like there's any empathy there. Also, let's just give a little bit of applause for this gal for saying something to her, because yes. I do feel like sometimes when you're the cancer person, it feels sometimes a little bit extra. Like, I mean, she even starts a letter saying like she did do so much for me and I tried to be appreciative and I tried to tell her thank you, you know, but to tell someone they're doing something wrong, it's uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Because you don't want to make somebody feel bad that they hurt somebody with cancer, you know? It's like, it's a heavier weight. But we have to stand up for ourselves and we have to have limits and we have to tell people when they fuck up. And I'm so glad that she did and she didn't just like roll her eyes and, you know, untag herself quietly <laughs> or something. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Shall we move along let's do okay here we go hi amy and steph i would like to bitch about the billion pregnancy tests i had to take during active treatment i didn't mind peeing in a cup at the hospital before my procedures but i really disliked having to go to an external lab when i needed a pregnancy test before starting radiation i was two days out from my final chemo infusion and feeling rough water tasted nasty and slimy to me during chemo so i wouldn't drink enough and would get dehydrated pretty quickly you can probably see where this is going. Cue me sitting on the toilet in the lab, clutching my pee cup and crying because I could not squeeze out enough fucking urine for the lab to run a pregnancy test. Aww. What did come out was dark orange, almost red and truly horrifying. I finally admitted defeat, carried out my cup of shame and showed it to the lab tech in utter embarrassment. She had previously worked in oncology and was very understanding. She suggested I drink some water from the waiting room cooler and try again. I swigged two cups of water over maybe five minutes, feeling disgusting the entire time, but it didn't help. I could not squeeze out more than an additional trickle. 
Luckily, the lab tech said they could make it work and sent me on my way. I was so humiliated and felt so fucking wretched. I knew I wasn't pregnant and I wish I had refused the test. Plus, I have been grappling with the possibility that I fucked up my fertility through chemo and with the knowledge that I'll need to pause my hormone therapy if I ever do want to try and get pregnant. That's a very scary proposition. Even though I lean towards being child-free, I don't want the choice taken away from me. So all these pregnancy tests, they were more salt in the wound of my fucked up future. Anyway, thanks for letting me bitch and for everything you do. Congrats. Congrats on season two. Ah, that's a heartbreaker, really. And one thing I do want to impress upon everybody that our listener mentioned there was that you can refuse. Mm. You can just say, I know I'm not pregnant. I'm not doing this test. Yeah. It's hard because I could imagine her being like, oh, God, you want me to like go to this weird lab and pee in a cup? Okay, fine. Whatever. Like, I'm just going through the motions. One more shitty thing they're making me do. I'm used to it. All right. And then it's like you get there. Right. And then that's when you realize, what the fuck? I can't even do this. And then, I mean, it's so piled on at that point, you know? Yeah. But you know what? Just like sex, just like anything else, consent can be revoked at any point in time. So totally. If you get partway through a procedure and you say, I need to stop, that's okay because it's your body. If, yeah. if you get partway through a blood draw and you say, I need to stop, that's okay. And like, we aren't told these things mm -hmm. because there's just this assumption that, the authority figure is right, always and forever. But mm -hmm. if you're so deeply uncomfortable that you're crying in the bathroom at the lab, like, yeah, you don't have to be put through that. Seriously. Mm -mm. And nothing on on her for not, you know, advocating harder because you're so worn down and you're just fucking defeated. And obviously, like she said, it was more salt in the wound and you're just yeah. heartbroken at that point. But um, but yeah. Not fun. Salt in the womb. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. The fertility shit is really hard and it is a little bit more of a, a stinger for sure when you're uncertain. And yeah, I feel that hard in that same way of like, I didn't know for sure if we were going to have a second baby or not. I didn't know if we would actually make that happen. But now it's like, I'm just almost certainly not going to do that and it is a bummer to just kind of not have that I don't know that choice yeah it fucking sucks but I do remember having to take fucking pregnancy tests early on in my diagnosis when I had an IUD in and I'm like I have an IUD I am not pregnant just yeah just back off just back off <laughs> Anyway, we feel you. Um, Here's another one. Get it. I have the dreaded metal mouth from chemo and my friends keep dropping off canned soup. Mm -hmm. All I can taste is the can. All right. I'm so confused. So, so, <laughs> so this, this is twofold. Why in God's name are your friends dropping off cans of soup? Or is it prepared cans of soup? <laughs> like they're pouring some chicken noodle into a, a steaming mug and dropping it off? Or is it a grocery bag from Safeway? 
<laughs> I don't know. Either way, I feel like, come on, step it up, guys. Step it up. Bring a lasagna. Do something. But then the metal mm-hmm. mouth. I have never experienced that, but it sounds horrid. Uh, yeah. I hope that your friends are like trying to pass it as home homemade, <laughs> you know, and then you're just tasting it and you're like, you fucking know what, Teresa? I know this is progresso. <laughs> All right. Get this shit out of here and then throw the bowl. Just fucking throw it on the ground. It'll yeah. be great. Great story later. <laughs> um. Okay. The next one says maskless people in public. I got vaccinated, but took the test and have basically no immunity to COVID. Is it too much to ask to just go to the supermarket and pretend to be a normal person doing her shopping without getting a deadly virus? I mean, it's not. It's, it's not, not too much to ask. It's not too much to ask. And yeah. now we've got this fucking Omicron variant. Don't, we're not. We're not even. We don't care. Nothing's a problem. This is not the episode where we bitch. Oh shit! It is. Go on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I I hate the maskless people too. And we live I in a them. state in in Washington where we're still mask mandate. And I will absolutely be that person that's like, oops, you forgot your mask. (laughs) Yeah. I just like to say, like, when they have the mask on under their noses, but over their mouths, like they did at the Bobo Bobo Tea Place I took my niece to in Southern Oregon over the holiday. And I said to my sister, I was like, doesn't it just seem easier to have your mask on over your nose? Like, it almost seems more uncomfortable to have it under your nose doesn't it and my sister was like it does we're just like saying all this loud being and it looks ridiculous like what it looks so dumb what are you doing nathan calls those people uncle facebook (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one that's awesome he's funny okay all right moving right along we've got a lot of bitches to get through here (laughs) it's true (laughs) Oh, this person says, I hate my job, but they were so nice to me when I needed to take time off for surgery. I want to quit, but I feel too guilty. Mm-mm. Mm. This is my Marge Simpson <laughs> groan. Do it, do it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, most people are nice to you when you have cancer and you need to get surgery. Not most people. Some of them. True facts. Also... You don't owe your work anything. Mm-hmm. Unless they donated like $10,000 to your GoFundMe, then like you probably should stay for a couple more months. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If it's I mean, not don't, a hardship. Just don't be a dick. Don't be right. a dick, you know. <laughs> two, two weeks. But if they just were like, yeah, you can take two weeks off and we won't fire you and here's some flowers. I mean. That's not so nice. That's the bare minimum. How are you doing? Maybe they asked. They could still be violating labor laws with that <laughs> but yeah they'll they'll get it too also pull that cancer card and just say i really thought i could stay back at work but i've got a lot going on i had cancer yeah it's also like we've been, all been through a pandemic i feel like everybody is changing careers and stuff yeah there should just be this like grace period pull a mulligan kind of option for people like totally hey i've been a social worker for 19 years and i'm gonna be a bus driver now yeah (laughs) it's the pandemic job change absolutely 
Yeah. Just write an, a nice, a nice resignation, resignation letter, recognition letter. <laughs> I would like to recognize your kindness and res- resign. Nice. At the same time. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Do you offer that? Do you offer that service? I will. <laughs> I could write a lot better than I can speak. I hope you can't just like hear my cat going insane. I'm so sorry. I cannot. Actually, maybe this is a good time for us to pause and do a quick ad while I put Stacy outside. An open letter to cancer survivors everywhere. Dear survivor, you endured the unthinkable and we see your strength because of it. Stay healthy, stay strong with the help of Myriad Genetics MyRisk. MyRisk is a simple test that can help determine your risk of a new primary or secondary malignancy and your risk of developing other hereditary cancers. It can even help your family members determine their risk, too. Get started at myriad.com slash survivor. And we're back. (laughs) Excellent. The bitches are back. (laughs) The bitches of Eastwick. (laughs) Um, Where are we here? Okay. Moving right along. Treatment has aged me so much. I did not write this. I'm not that vain and I'm glad it's working. But my problem is that every time I look in the mirror, I see my toxic mother's face. I now look like her. I went no contact 10 years ago, but I feel like she's back in my life now. And it's bringing up so much trauma from my past. Oh, man. I'm sorry. That's so hard. Congratulations on going no contact with a toxic parent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wonder if you could just do something special for yourself. Um, I, this person did not ask for advice, so I apologize for offering it. But maybe like, I don't know if you like body modification, but like a piercing or a fun haircut, color your hair, do something cool that mm-hmm. will make you feel good and look less like your mom. Microblade some eyebrows into a little bit of a different shape, perhaps. Yeah. You could. Those creepy contact lenses that look make you <laughs> look like an alien. Dress up like a lizard. <laughs> um, she's like, but my mom was a lizard impersonator. I can't do that. Okay. But we feel you. Essentially, we're all going to look exactly like our mothers as we get older. Anyway, it's so weird, though, to rapidly see yourself age through treatment. I definitely I feel that on its own. I like to look more like my mother because I love my mother, but I do not like to look less like myself. It's true. And treatment does a number on your skin Mm -hmm. that I was not prepared for. I am the fucking Sahara Desert. It's so true. I, I just I'm like, do I give up? It's like. The world is so screwed. Let's just stop recycling. (laughs) You know what? My face is so fucked. I'm not even going to buy lotion. I don't even care. Just kidding. I do recycle. And I do buy lotion. But why? 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 (laughs) I know. It's just like throwing money in a pit, I think. But I, I also keep up my stupid skincare routine. It doesn't help. Try harder, staff. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Oh, you're beautiful. So it's working. Okay, Thank what's next? You. 
I hate how my mom uses my diagnosis for her own sympathy. She is called into work, drank more, and always posts stupid stuff on Facebook about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mom does not. That's not me talking about my mom. But I feel like lots of us have that relative or friend who is skating on your illness mm-hmm. to get attention. And it sucks. Yeah. They also hate when people say it's just hair. It will grow back. Makes me want to take a razor and shave their head bald. Mm-hmm. Well, we could introduce her to Tiffany <laughs> from, <laughs> from the first letter. I think it was the other one. It wasn't Tiffany. It was her second friend. Oh, but, well. you know, whatever. Semantics. Um, <laughs> Samantha. Samantha. It was Samantha. No. <laughs> She doesn't have a name. I tried to look. And you know what? Lucy. Her name is Lucy. Lucy. Go go to Lucy and be like, you really want, you want some new Facebook material? <laughs> Here's an angry cancer person who's going <laughs> to shave you in your sleep. Yes. Okay. Um, this person says, I am an inspirational warrior in the battle with cancer. Inspiration to do what? Not a battle. No one wins. Just a scared person with cancer trying to survive. Ugh, yep. I feel you so much. Oh, this reminds me, I was going to bring up um, that article that came out a, a few weeks ago talking about this poor woman with cancer went to her cabin in the woods and was in her freaking kitchen. And a bear came in the kitchen and attacked her. Yes, she was mauled by a bear. She was mauled by a bear. She's fine, you guys. She's okay. She survived. I mean, it definitely mauled her, but she lived and she's recovering. But what in the hell? This poor woman. So I posted on Facebook and I said, or whatever that thing is, we'd use Instagram. I said, she is going to be our patron saint of cancer for bitch fest because she deserves it. Yes. But this person's bitch just reminded me like, you know, God forbid if this poor woman had been killed by this bear, would people say she lost her battle with a bear? Like, <laughs> you know, like there's no way in hell that with cancer, it's always like she's battling cancer nonstop. I don't know. Anyway, I um that one of my very favorite cancer memes that always makes cancer muggles deeply uncomfortable mm-hmm. is the people standing next to the coffin um and they're saying I guess cancer picked the right bitch this time. <laughs> That's so awful. <laughs> oh god. I really love that lady as our patron saint though. I feel like we should get our talented logo artist to draw up a Aww. graphic for for our merch. It can be like, you know, one of those prayer candles from the bodega. Yes. I love it. She maybe she can, you know, have a scar somewhere and it'll be like Judith beheading Holofernes mm. like with her holding the bear head. Yeah, like <laughs> if the bear head's like on top of her head and then the the fur just drapes all around her love it love it all right we're gonna make that happen and we're gonna give it to her she's gonna be like who the fuck are these people (laughs) this is this is awkward this is awkward um okay anyways i'm so glad she's okay and fuck a bear Uh, (laughs) this one says i'm so fucking sick of the fragile person i've become 
I've always been emotional, but my tears come at like a child's rate now. I'm also weak AF, which is just annoying. Not that I was ever strong, but like, fuck, the little strength I took for granted. Get cancer, turn 87. Mm-hmm. Not cool. Not cool at all. Amy, I was I was just texting you last night about how I was inexplicably crying about Hanukkah songs <laughs> like that are not even good. <laughs> Yes, I loved it. Cancer just like busts you wide open and then you turn into a crier. Mm -hmm. I made you send me the songs and I was like... (laughs) And you made fun of them. I only made fun of one of them. Anti-Semite. I said, this this is basically the Shrek soundtrack. (laughs) And then (laughs) the second one I said, I I could cry to that one too. Right? (laughs) You did. You threw me a bone about Peter, Paul and Mary. (laughs) How could you not love Peter, Paul, and Mary? That is not the one I said was on the Shrek soundtrack. That it's was the one not, I loved. It's not. <laughs> don't don't misrepresent my bitches. <laughs> um, do you want to say who who the other one was? Uh, I will. The other one was uh, Mattis Yahoo. I don't know if anybody. I, why would any of our listeners even know who that is? Unless you're Jewish or <laughs> I've seen just the Jewish version of Shrek. Coma. <laughs> But <laughs> um, Mattis Yahoo was like a Hasidic rapper. Mm-hmm, <laughs> he mm-hmm. had some reggae stylings. But when, you know, when you're Jewish kid of the 2000s and mm-hmm. late 90s, your pickings were slim. It was the Adam Sandler Hanukkah song from Saturday Which Night Live so or Mattis Yahoo. Right. Okay, onward to the bitches. Um, hey, yeah. here's a random ass letter. How does it feel when you're scheduled for surgery, but everyone in quote unquote, the office is on vacation? Like I can't schedule the appointment I need in order to get injected with a radioactive fluid in order to have the already scheduled surgery. But someone was supposed to call me and now they're on vacation. And no one called me and they weren't available today when I called them. Mm-mm. I skipped my mammogram in 2020 and you know what? I had cancer. Also, I didn't take my kids to the dentist in 2020 and one of them has cavities. And my name is literally Ashley. <laughs> so Ashley isn't a stupid name sometimes. But Peloton is dumb. Ooh. <laughs> Yes. Ashley, I literally can't do anything other than laundry, but I don't really mind for now. Yeah, you can't do anything other than laundry and call us out. <laughs> You're doing a good job of that, Ashley. Um, I think she's referring to from time to time. I think it's Steph that s- s- uses Ashley as the rude. I do. I, I do often use Ashley as shorthand for like an annoying person. Can, can we get a little bit of an apology stuff? Ashley's all over the world who are not annoying. I apologize for using your name to connote uh, irritating personalities largely present on social media. But I do hereby vow that I will try to mix it up from now on. Mm-hmm. Throw out some other names. Okay. Thank you. And now. Oh, wait. Okay. Were you going to talk about Cancer Kathy's? We did. We also, oh, yeah. We made up a whole thing for that. We threw Kathy's under the bus hard. But we, Cancer Kathy's also have cancer. So it can't be 
somebody who's a muggle. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can call him Muggle Mandy or <laughs> Muggle Millie because we won't have a lot of Millies, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mugglina. <laughs> all right. I like. Let's come back to it. But you know what, Ashley? You're cool. We're cool. We're all friends. Peloton sucks. Peloton. I mean, yeah. I got a fucking Peloton. What do you want to do? <laughs> I can't take it back. It's been 30 days. What What am I supposed to do? You know? Um, okay. Let's keep going. Let's. This person says, I'm sorry if this is too petty, but just because I didn't lose my hair doesn't mean it isn't real cancer. Um, there is no such thing as too petty for this Nothing. episode, but also that's not petty at all. The second someone says this is too petty, I'm like, like right. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> this is this is the place. Exactly. This is the episode. Rare aggressive cancers with low survival rates are pretty rubbish, even with hair. Although I completely get the importance of hair. It's hard to keep justifying my diagnosis and that I'm actually sick. Mm-hmm. I also fully endorse that no evidence of disease doesn't mean it's over. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I have this resonates with me a lot because I think people, you know, muggles, especially, but some cancer people too, just don't, they don't understand that sometimes your cancer experience doesn't look like surgery, lose your hair. Yeah. Um, you know, look sickly. Totally. There are a few more right after this that are on this topic as well. Do you want to read those both as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Someone else says, as my hair is growing back, I kind of feel like I've lost the excuse to feel bad. That's insane, obviously, but I can see how Mm -hmm. losing it at least identifies someone as sick and gives you validity to feel bad. Air quotes around validity Mm -hmm. because that's such BS and cancer is cancer and awful regardless of stage, symptoms, treatment, etc. Absolutely. And then another person says, I'm on treatment for MBC, metastatic breast cancer, where I won't lose my hair either. It is shedding a lot, and I even feel guilty feeling upset about that. And I feel like people think I'm a cancer fraud when they see I have my hair still and no port scar. It's like Mm -hmm. there are various treatments, and having MBC isn't any easier. It's forever for me. Absolutely. I have this hang up too i always think people are gonna think i'm uh, like a cancer faker Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i love that they brought that up because when you have your hair and you have no port scar and you haven't had surgery i feel like everybody's like hmm is she right a shyster (laughs) (laughs) oh you are not a shyster and neither are any of these lovely people but it is such a common thing and i do think cancer muggles have no idea about how cancer treatment differs for different things where you think maybe like the worse the cancer the worse the diagnosis the more sickly you will look because that's what we've always seen in movies and also many years ago chemo was given for like everything and surgery was given for every you know like I mean, I don't know about everything, but but way more commonly. So it's it's so much harder to wrap your head around it. And yeah, I mean, it changes so quickly. Like these treatments are updating all the time. And like, it's not their fault, I guess, that they don't know how quickly the science is moving. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it does leave us 
people, particularly, you know, like I have metastatic breast cancer also, and it does put us in a weird position of having to like defend the treatment plans that we have and stuff with people that are like, really, you're not having surgery? Hmm, you look great, like suspiciously. Right. Yeah, we have a a friend that we talk to a lot on Instagram who has brain cancer and we've read her letters before and she's wonderful and she brings that up a lot just like you know she's got beautiful long blonde hair and you know but she has very aggressive cancer growing in her body that is going to I don't even know how to say it you know shorten her life yeah and like she might not lose her hair before that happens right but people just treat her like she's fine yeah so frustrating it's so frustrating so the next one inspired by her thanksgiving dinner this person writes I am sick of explaining to people that just because I'm quote unquote cancer free now does not mean that I'm still not in my shit. I'm still in active treatment and still have five more years of hormone therapy. And I have crazy lasting side effects from chemo and radiation, like shortness of breath, et cetera, that are daily reminders of what I went through. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Side effects, man. And we talked about that so much on our recurring nightmare episode Mm -hmm. people just don't understand all that goes into treatment that's not visible and yeah and what you go through after you know the big obvious things like surgery absolutely and sometimes you don't want to tell them because you don't want to seem like you're complaining or that you're trying to seek sympathy after you've already been in a position where you got so much attention whether or not you wanted it or not you don't want to seem like you're trying to drag that out but then it's also happening so then if you people are treating you like it's not happening you're also annoyed you know where you're like I don't want to have to tell you but I also don't want you to act like it's not happening nobody wins here there's no good solution right and I feel like so much could be solved by just being a little bit more observant you know if Mm. you're around somebody who has cancer or to your understanding, has recently had cancer, you don't have to be like, you seem tired. (laughs) You know, like if they seem tired, maybe just don't expect them to go on an after dinner hike. Mm -hmm. You can just live with people in the world without questioning their every move and making them justify their behavior to you. Yeah, Muggerello. <laughs> That's right. That really doesn't flow. <laughs> doesn't flow at all. Millie Muggle. <sighs> oh, all right. Yeah. Where are we? We've got another one here that says, I hate that people assume they know your treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Well, this is familiar. I have had nurses in other medical offices in the past few weeks ask me why I didn't get a mastectomy. Why what? I still have my hair. And one Mm-mm. even had the nerve to say to me that I looked so healthy for having terminal cancer. Oh, my God. And I said right back to her, well, I'm not terminal yet. Thanks. What gives people the right to be so nosy into your health? I hate having to justify my treatment plan to others. Yes, I am on an oral treatment, but having metastatic breast cancer is not easier or less side effects than other known treatments. Everyone is different and it's not one size fits all. Oh. Wow, nurses. Wow. Right? So inappropriate. It's so inappropriate. And you expect better from medical professionals, right? Absolutely. I mean, even if you're a receptionist or something in in a medical office. I feel that about the mastectomy 
where I feel like some people think because I had a lumpectomy that, oh, my cancer must not have been very bad or very aggressive, or I must not have been that worried to choose a lumpectomy. Right. Like you copped out. Right. Right. Or like I cared about my boobs so much that I just like didn't want to go the full way where it's like that is absolutely not what it is. You just don't understand what surgery options are and what it's based off of. Exactly. And obviously, if there's a potential to have a less traumatic surgery for your body, you're going to go with that option. It's not like, yeah, it's not like it used to be where everybody got a mastectomy and right. then hoped for the best. Yeah. Things change. Medicine advances. And also it's none of your fucking business. Nurse. Right. If you're in a position where you have to ask that question and you don't have access to the person's chart or the medical knowledge to understand how breast cancer works... I'm guessing that this nurse might have been somebody who's like, I don't know, giving a like blood test, taking blood, some sort of general nurse, not a somebody in the oncology. Right. It's like her dermatologist or something. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It could have been, right? Yeah. It's like there's just zip it. M Y O B. Yeah. And also, if somebody looks great, then be fucking happy for them that they look great. Jesus. You don't have to add on any qualifiers. You can just exactly. say, you look so great. You know what? You're just glowing. Your hair is looking fantastic today. I love your outfit. There are a million other compliments that you can give that aren't backhanded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We're really worked up. That's right. We just get so darn mad. <laughs> All right. I've said it. I've said it and heard it said by others, but there is no good type of cancer. Ugh. Why, oh, why do medical professionals say it's not the bad cancer? What the fuck? Like, there is a good cancer. And did I get a choice? Was there a menu of cancer choices <laughs> or other diseases or disorders I should choose from? Thanks for listening. Now resume your own bitching. Um, well, don't worry. In, in the same office, in other rooms, there are many other medical professionals with other people saying, at least it's not cancer. At least it's not cancer to other people. Right. So, you know, it's just like this ladder of climbing. Well, at least it's not a terminal cancer, you know? Yeah. Come on. Don't at least us. Don't, don't, don't do it. Yeah. Don't you dare at least us. <laughs> oh, this person says, well, I'm not only immunocompromised after all the damn chemo, I have shingles now. Mm-hmm. The nurse asked if I'd been stressed out. Hmm, you think? Can we get back to the normalcy of not having to go to the doctor? Is that too much to ask? It's not. It's not too much to ask at all. Shingles. I also got shingles when I was getting diagnosed. Oh, my God. It sucks. It's so painful. You just don't even realize. Oh, I'm so sorry. That happened to both of you. That's awful. <sighs> okay. People ask and say the most ridiculous things. My cancer meds come with a warning in a booklet of possible side effects. The warning says that they may cause feelings of malaise. <laughs> I burst out laughing the first time I read it because I was feeling super fantastic about the cancer diagnosis. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling so much malaise. It's honey, honey, it's, it's just the meds. I'm feeling so much more malaise than just the cancer malaise. Hand me that side effect booklet. 
Also, I know that they don't get to choose the side effects, but God, what what a terrible one to have for your cancer medication. Like, <laughs> totally. Can't it just be like, things seem like way less of a big deal. Like, <laughs> like, can't you just have like testicular swelling or something? Like, just turn it off. <laughs> just, we don't no. need extra malaise. We don't. Hmm. Just some silly things that are coming to mind right now, but I hate that my eyebrows are growing in unevenly. Oh, that's bad. That is valid. It's valid. Totally. I also got my first clear scan after five months of chemo. And for some reason, my celebratory instinct was to stop my quote unquote healthy eating regimen and gorge on a bunch of junk food. I know that taking care of my body after treatment is just as important as during treatment. So I'm getting things under control, but I hate that I never know how I'm going to react slash cope with each new stage of this thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel you, girl. And you know what? That's okay. You can eat some junk food. It's totally okay. Yeah. If it was really impacting your day-to-day life, then okay. But you're allowed to have some celebratory junk food. Yeah. If that is your way of like having a release of just this pent up fear about getting these results, probably. And I mean, also, who knows, maybe your appetite was crappy leading up to getting those results. And then you were so hungry that to finally be able to like feed your body. Right. Like just eat it and make better choices in the future. (laughs) Or or we will judge you. I'm just kidding. We won't do what you got to do. But I do love that. It's like if you are someone who uh, drinks alcohol and then you like don't drink for a month, like you do like dry January. And then at the end, you're like, I want to reward myself by having a glass of wine. You're like, oh, that's actually like really fucked up thinking. Right. But like, <laughs> like you've got some binges owed to you and back pay. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. But I think like there's such a different thing with cancer and and how the focus is so much on Number one, how we must have done something wrong to our bodies mm-hmm. in order to have this happen to us. And two, that the focus is then so much on on your body and how to support it while you're going through all this and stuff that it makes total sense to me that you would need a little vacation from that line yeah. of thinking because it's just exhausting. It is so exhausting. And also, fuck yeah, to good scans. That's right. Yes. Oh, I wanted to say, um, I promise this is not like a paid plug for them or anything, but I got this really cool gift from an organization called Unite for Her uh, in the mail. And um, they sent me a copy of this cookbook called The Cancer Fighting Kitchen. And um, I already have a copy. So if anybody wants it, can you just like message us Mm -hmm. and um, either on Instagram or send us an email? Why don't we offer it to this girl? Or is that rude to be like, we heard you're eating (laughs) junk food. Here's what you should be doing. (laughs) That's a good idea. Let's do it. How about dibs go to her in a non-bitchy way. And then if she doesn't ask for it, somebody else can have it. Yeah, I like that. I like how I'm just like hijacking your giveaway. Sorry. Oh, no, I don't care. I, I just want somebody who can use it to have it because it really is a great cookbook. Um, mm-hmm. I think the author is Katz, K-A-T-Z. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot, a lot, lot of vegetarian recipes in it. Um, so this is just like a plug, too, for that cookbook. I we We are not sponsored by them or anything, but I've used it and loved it. 
Great. Love it. And I'm going to go eat some ice cream for this girl right after this episode <laughs> to right. celebrate. Gonna, I will definitely be having some Kraft macaroni and cheese in the next several days. So I cannot, <laughs> cannot judge. Okay. Let's see. What do we have here? Dear CFB, I have a complaint and I'm wondering if other cancer patients feel the same. I bet they do. I haven't even read this, but I bet mm-hmm. they do. Yep. I see a lot of organizations and businesses, frankly, asking cancer patients to write blog posts to share their story, a.k.a. use our stories to drive traffic to their own Instagram or their own website. Mm -hmm. First of all, if you are someone who likes to participate in these, no judgment. But I think we need to stop and think about how traumatizing it can be. When you sit down and write out your story, it brings up a lot of memories and frankly, bad feelings many times. Hashtag triggered. I feel like these organizations and businesses just don't get it. They continue to exploit us for their own content. How about writing blog posts for us with actual helpful information? I can guarantee most cancer patients really don't want to read more about cancer stories. It's more of a cancer muggle thing to read someone's story or read a cancer autobiography. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, why do these orgs and companies typically continue to feature the same people over and over? At the very least, they could diversify. If it's actually about sharing stories and not just clout for their website or page, they should be as willing to feature someone with 25 followers as they are with someone who has 25,000. Anyways, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I will say a lot of the I mean I don't want to get too involved in the cancer fluencer Instagram world or whatnot but I think that there's a few things that play into this it's definitely true like if you follow all of these accounts as we do it is a lot of the same people over and over but also I think a lot of these people are reaching out to the businesses it's not just them yeah picking these people Sometimes we're seeing the same people because they are asking. And I know that because we've been asked numerous times for if yeah, people by, can guess. By the people. <laughs> by literally them. Um, but I know exactly what you're talking about because, yes, they they want to hear your story. They want you to write your thing out. I mean, I hope she's not talking about us. We're like, send us letters, send us letters. <laughs> I feel like it's one thing when you don't offer anything in return. You know, what I hope we do with our platform is actually provide something that's useful to people. Mm -hmm. And I'm confident that we do that. We give more than we take. But I think uh, sort of hilariously, one of the worst culprits for this is the American Cancer Society. And they really do just use people's personal trauma to further their own cause. And I don't think it's useful. And I think that this goes not only for cancer people. There are so many ways in which people who are marginalized in some way are forced to parade their trauma around Mm -hmm. in order to get visibility and acceptance and for people to give a shit about them. And it's so unfair. It happened with the Me Too movement where we all had to like rehash the times we were sexually assaulted on Facebook so that people would take us seriously, you know, Mm -hmm. and it can't just continue happening. There has to be a sea change where 
our word can just be taken for the fact that we need help. We need support and we don't have to trot out all of our bald heads to get, yeah, (laughs) to get services or get awareness or money for research. And I think it's way easier for a business to ask somebody to write a free blog post about their cancer diagnosis or something like that, because there's this expectation that it will help somebody in your shoes, which of course people would say, sure, like I would love to help. But the problem, of course, is what's behind that is wanting to have content that was going to sell your products, is going to give you legitimacy saying, oh, look, here's this cancer person who agreed to do this blog post. So they're endorsing me. Yeah. Which, of course, is why they don't give a shit about the person with 25 followers and they want the person with 25,000 followers. But also it is just the same people. I don't know. It's such a weird world. I completely get this person's frustrations. And yeah, I don't know what the answer is, though. I don't know either. I do hope that there will at some point be a shift toward, um, I don't even know, giving more than you take. Yeah, I mean... It's a complicated issue because I feel like this could open up doors to have much larger conversations just about the cancer fluencer world in general, which I don't think this is the appropriate episode for that. And also, I don't want to like alienate too many people, but they probably hate us anyway. So who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely is like a super weird scene when I don't know. I think we try to stay out of it, though. We're just like, hi, we're, <laughs> we're the cancer punks. I'm like, I thought we were all doing this bake sale, but you guys just (laughs) set up a fancier bake sale next door. (laughs) You guys just um, bought treats from Starbucks. (laughs) That's right. Nobody wants my carob brownies. (laughs) Okay. I think these are all of our bitches. I think that we have rounded it out. We're the only two bitches left. That's right. Oh, that's (laughs) not funny. That's rude. Okay. Um, Well, folks, I feel like there's nothing worse than... um, There's one thing worse than bitches. What's that, Amy? Rats. Oh, rats. Rats are worse than bitches. (laughs) Do you have any rats? I have a rat. You have a rat. episode of rats i don't even know this rat (laughs) edition (laughs) this edition of rats there you go is brought to you by an article from cancer treatment centers of america and an article from the uh, jama oncology march 2017 edition and we're going to be talking about fatigue because in an episode all about complaints i thought that it would be appropriate to focus on Mm -hmm. the most common complaint that cancer patients have besides the actual cancer. So I did not know this, but there's there's clinical fatigue. Like you can actually be diagnosed with fatigue. Mm -hmm. And uh, most cancer people have clinical fatigue. It's a thing that 
is hugely problematic and we don't talk about it enough, apparently, (laughs) according to these articles that I read. The JAMA Oncology study followed 11,000 cancer people. And then this other article from Cancer Treatment Centers of America, both of which I will put in the show notes as always, just sort of talks generally about what happens when this spiral of clinical fatigue starts. Mm -hmm. So when your doctor is trying to diagnose the level of fatigue that you have, they're going to ask you questions about pain, lethargy, sleep disturbances, nausea, drowsiness, lack of appetite, sadness, numbness or tingling, and vomiting. And a lot of these feel like no-brainers, you know, when we're talking about cancer treatment, survivorship. And so a lot of people don't answer honestly Mm -hmm. because they think it's just part of the whole ball of wax, which it is to some degree. But that leads to them being not as honest with their doctors and not as honest with their caregivers and family and friends as they need to be in order to get the right help so they don't spiral into this clinical fatigue situation. So is this like during treatment that they're being asked these questions, like like during chemo? Or is this like after treatment when they're still tired and then they're just have, having a checkup with their doctor and the doctor's like... It's ongoing. So this is not just for people who are in active treatment. Fatigue can continue to be a problem when you're out of active treatment or when you're in that sort of liminal phase Mm -hmm. of treatment where maybe you're still on hormonal medication. Some people don't really think about that as active treatment, even though it is. Mm -hmm. So your doctor will start asking you these questions probably right off the bat. And of course, when we're diagnosed, we start out at a deficit because we're so stressed out. You've probably not been sleeping. You've not been eating because you're just so worried about your new cancer diagnosis. And um, that also, you know, sometimes when you have surgery, you don't ever really fully recover from the fatigue of surgery. Um, And then the cycle of fatigue starts. You're too tired to make healthy meals for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's depleting your vitamin and nutrient levels. You're too tired to exercise. As we know, exercise actually gives you energy. It doesn't deplete your energy stores. Um, Eating shitty food and not exercising, these things make you feel worse. Then you have no energy. You might lapse into a depression. Depression makes you less likely to take your meds. It makes you less likely to follow up with your doctors the way you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And so that noncompliance can actually allow your cancer to recur or get worse. And Mm -hmm. so we're not just talking about this like surface level problem of like, oh, I'm a little tired. We're talking about it actually creating poorer outcomes. And there's another facet of this where your treatment can obviously cause your fatigue. You've got nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea also depleting your vitamin and nutrient levels. You might be losing weight and muscle mass. Um, pain could be causing loss of activity and loss of movement. You could be gaining weight from your treatment, and that could be affecting your movement and activity levels. It could be affecting your self-esteem. And then we also see noncompliance with treatment as a result of the depression and poor self-esteem because, you know, you're Mm -hmm. too depressed to stick to your daily routines. You don't feel like you're worth the effort. And of course, all of this 
beginning with fatigue, can mm-hmm. result in just a poor overall outcome. And like I said in the beginning, patients are often not honest with their doctors because they don't consider mm-hmm. fatigue a real symptom. Right. Which it is. It absolutely is. Yeah, I think it's actually nice sometimes when your uh, doctor or nurse asks you specific questions when you sit down for that appointment that I think it's annoying. Sometimes you're like, no, no, no. But asking, they ask me a lot, like, are you more tired than normal? Have you been like yeah. tired? And then I'll be like, yeah, actually. Because it is something you might not offer because you're just like, I can deal with it. It's fine. I can deal with it. Like, you know. Right. So many of us want to be the model patient and don't want to say, yeah, I am. I'm so tired. They don't want to confess that they're not able to exercise. They don't want to confess that they're not able to eat the healthy meals they think they should be eating. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they won't be as honest as they should be with their doctors. And they, like I said, they, they just feel like it's part of the deal and it's not a real symptom. And so, um, the solutions to this are number one, most importantly, be honest with your healthcare providers about Mm -hmm. the symptoms you're experiencing. It all can go into fatigue. If you have tingling and numbness that might keep you awake at night, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that's a factor. If you have nausea, you know, you might not be eating and that's going to make you tired. (laughs) Obviously, you need food to keep your energy up. Mm -hmm. You also have to be honest with your family and friends because they're Mm -hmm. the people that are around you every day. And if you need help with preparing healthy meals, if you need help with starting an exercise regimen, then those are the people that are going to be there to help you do that. Can I ask one question, though? Yeah. What is the, um, like, what can be implemented to help? Like, if you are telling your doctor, I'm having this, 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 Mm -hmm. that is a very common side effect to treatment or even to months after radiation or months after surgery or just with any old, you know, cancer fighting pill that you're continuously taking. This is like a common side effect for it. Like, what can they do? Right. So aside from starting the conversation with your doctor, who can then decide whether or not you need medical intervention, like a pharmaceutical intervention, Mm -hmm. some people do end up taking Ritalin or Adderall to -hmm. increase their energy level and just get them kind of over that fatigue hump. But in this uh, JAMA oncology study, they actually found that exercise, counseling, and healthy foods helped fatigue more than drugs did. Mm -hmm. So some of the other ideas are having meal deliveries or subscription boxes. Offer those to your friends with cancer. If you are a cancer Mm -hmm. person, say, hey, I would love a meal subscription box when somebody offers to get you a gift for your cancer diagnosis. You know, if somebody says, how can I support you? Say, you know, God, I've really been struggling to make healthy meals. Mm -hmm. I would love a meal drop off or I would love a subscription box or a CSA or something like that. Um, Get an exercise buddy or a friend to go on regular walks with you. Yeah. Another great gift is the gift of an exercise class that you can do together or for free. Just schedule regular walks, regular workouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just like I'm hearing everything you're saying and I 
I'm not like bummed on this rats. I'm just saying like, I feel the answer is always exercise and eat healthy. Yeah. And that is the fucking key. And we have to do it. But it is easier said than done. So I just want to say like, I get when we hear this from our doctors or like oftentimes when I complain about side effects I'm feeling, I am just told like, well, you need to exercise more, you know? And then I'm like, I know I'm trying, but then it makes me feel like, well, I shouldn't have even said that because I already knew the answer or sometimes I don't want to say it because I know the answer. Exactly. And that's why the onus cannot just be on the cancer person to get all this done. Mm -hmm. Other people need to recognize the signs of fatigue and stop them before this person that you love and care about slips into clinical fatigue. If you see your friend or your spouse or your brother, sister, whoever with cancer is starting to have trouble, then pitch in, you know, be that person that says, oh my God, I see that you're so tired. And I heard that exercise actually helps your energy level. Um, Like if you would like to just go Monday, Wednesday, Friday for a walk, you know, before work, I would love to do that with you. Another funny thing that I saw recommended was get a dog. (laughs) Um, There's nothing funny about that. (laughs) If you have room in your life for a dog, which everybody does. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It'll it'll get you out of the house twice a day. You know, you can go That's on walks, true. take They're your so dog cute. out. They're so cute. It's therapy. It makes you feel good and loved. And it also gives you some exercise. And then um, it's just straight up therapy is another thing that helps mm-hmm. with fatigue. Getting regular counseling. It's just like another set of eyes on you and your well-being. It makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And with that, I do also want to say... If you are experiencing a lot of fatigue, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong either. No. There's so many times during treatment when that is so normal and there is no fix for it. Like sleeping is all you can do. And like after radiation, sleeping sometimes doesn't make you feel rested. You wake up from a long, long nap and you feel just as tired as you did before you took it because your body is repairing so much and it has been through so much even the act of being put to sleep for surgery all of those drugs and what that does for you takes so much out of you and that's just the anesthesia it's not even the um actual cutting into your body and having your body being repaired too that takes so long to actually heal so don't be too hard on yourself if you're tired Yeah, don't be hard on yourself at all. And that's another thing that this article from Cancer Treatment Centers of America says that you're just going to sometimes have to come to terms with the fact that your energy level is not what it once was and have grace for yourself, have Mm -hmm. empathy for yourself and encourage the people around you to accept your new reality as somebody Mm -hmm. who is either in the process of surviving cancer or who has survived cancer. It's just not always going to look like it used to. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And there's help. It shouldn't be uh, felt like a personal failing or anything. Yeah. Um, oh, I just wanted to add that mm-hmm. the Cancer Pod, which is 
Another wonderful podcast. We like to we call love them it. our sister podcast. We yeah. did not seek approval from them before dubbing them our sister podcast, but nonetheless. But they didn't object once we did put it out into the world. <laughs> That's right. They were like, um, okay, I guess. <laughs> they did a really amazing episode on fatigue that everybody should go listen to if you want to mm-hmm. learn more about it. It's really in-depth. They're super knowledgeable. So yeah. check it out. They they are doctors and they did go to podcasting school. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't think the second part's true, but they they're naturopaths and they're um, amazing. We love that show. True facts. Cool. Well, um, I think that's the end of our episode. I think it Do is. Do you think so? I think so. I did want to mention one thing that mm-hmm. I did appear on. The burn. Oh, yes. (laughs) I was going to bring this up, too. So I'm really glad you brought it up. I listened to this episode. It's so good. Okay, tell tell us. We'll we'll link it in the show notes. So if you would like to hear for sure. Friend of the podcast, Wildfire Magazine has a new podcast out called The Burn. And it's just great. It was lovely to be asked to be a part of it. And that episode is out now. So you can find it. The same place as you find our podcast. It's just called The Burn. Yeah. So check it out. And yeah. So because Steph is not tooting her own horn enough. So Steph was chosen. Her essay was chosen to appear in Wildfire Magazine um, last year. Mm -hmm. And so she reads the entire essay and it's fucking beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think that you should definitely check it out. The whole podcast concept is really cool. Actually, they it's breast cancer specific. But if you're um, a younger person with breast cancer, you're probably going to want to check out, you know, many of the episodes. April gives a writing prompt at the end. It's just really great. It's a, it's a shorty, like 30 minutes per episode. It's great fun. Do you feel like your um, charisma with April was better than your charisma with me? <laughs> I do not. I felt I told you after I did it, I felt like a bumbling fool because we we talked a lot about death and it was just like my sparkling personality did not exactly shine through. Good. <laughs> Talking about my dead friend. Just know that that's how it is. If you ever try to be on a microphone with anybody else. Um, just kidding. But it is very it's a relatable, wonderful essay. It is about her dead friend um, and it's called. My Jiminy Cricket? Yeah, my Jiminy Cricket. It's lovely. Okay. Thank you guys so much for sending in so many um, Bitch Fest submissions. You know what we're going to do this again. Volume three will be out at some point. And yeah. Yeah. Give us a review. Maybe maybe we'll appear in the fucking <laughs> search at some point in our lives. Maybe send us some letters, uh, cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast. You can tweet at us at cancerbreakfast. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Bye. Goodbye. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lajeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com.
so much for listening. Thanks for listening. 